This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound. I'm your host, Ian Turner. My guest today is Lorna Cole, vocalist from Vault. That's not the only string to her bow. She's also studying health sci between belting out some absolute scorchers. But it wasn't an easy ride to the front of the stage. Following in the footsteps of a musical mum and dad, Lorna's first solo performance didn't quite go to plan. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Lorna Cole on Plains FM 96.9. Lorna, can you tell me about the first time you remember hearing music? I grew up around music. I was super lucky. My mum and my dad were super musical. Um, My dad was in a band when he was younger, uh, an originals band, and my mum just always played random instruments. So I grew up with all genres of music all the time. Do you remember the name of your dad's originals band? Yeah, Minotaur. <laughs> Minotaur <laughs> or songs about Minor or, min- or Minotaur. <laughs> Either you know, or. Oh, he's always called it Minotaur, he's but I've, minor. I've heard it being referred to as Minotaur. I wonder what if it was a play on words and I never knew. A Minotaur. Yeah. Did Minotaur yeah, have any it. tours around the country? No, no. They were in the UK. Ah. So. Um, okay. Where were you born? Manchester. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm English by blood. How long have you been in New Zealand? We came when I was nine, so we've been here a thousand years. I've grown up here. Okay. Even at that age, how was that transition from Manchester to um to, to Canterbury, to this part of the country? No, it was actually to Palmerston North. Wow. And it was crazy. I can remember England being a really high energy place and there was always a lot happening. We'd go to a lot of theatre, um, pantomimes were always out and about and yep. there was so much art. And we came to New Zealand um, after my dad and my mum fell in love uh, during a holiday here. Fell in love with New Zealand. Zealand, Yeah. Well, yeah. You'd hope they were already already in in love. love. (laughs) Um, No, they. (laughs) But yeah, they kind of decided to come here, and we actually stayed in Blenheim for sort of the first several weeks. And I just remember thinking New Zealand was very quiet. It was a very peaceful and quiet place, and a very slow, and it felt really safe. It actually felt like it was the first time I can remember being a child. That's when I feel like my childhood started because it was really, it was, you know, you were outside and you were playing in the muck and whatnot. And we moved to Palmerston North, actually. Just kind of got into equestrian and things like that. And so I grew up constantly in nature. Um, I was going to say, that's somewhat of a a leap, I presume. Yeah, yeah, it would have been from a city, definitely. Did the music follow your parents or did they get back into it when they arrived over or was it jobs? No, they were into work. Yeah, yeah. Just, just kind of corporate jobs. And I think that um, it's quite funny because I don't remember ever finding music. It was just always there. Um, but when I was much – I do have a, a very first memory of music I was thinking about the other day and that is I was actually at school. Uh, it must have been about seven or eight it was before we left the UK and I was asked to sing a solo and I didn't understand what a solo even was or what I was doing. And I can recall the whole school watching and the whole chorus singing and then waiting for me to sing my words. And I forgot all the words and I just stood there and then I cried. Um, <laughs> that was the end of the performance, uh, which probably explains why I have this deep-seated fear of forgetting lyrics 
in every performance, every time. I can remember looking back on that and when I came here, I knew that if I'd been picked to be the person who sung out of all those people, that maybe that was something I did. And I think I just in my head decided I maybe was a singer. That must be where it started. And then at school, I just joined choirs and and I was always singing and just constantly singing. I want to go back to you being chosen for the solo. You must have been singing and displayed some aptitude at least. Yeah, I have no recollection of that. I have no understanding of it. It's just like, I've, yeah, I reckon I've wiped it. Obviously something scary happened at that point. <laughs> and I wiped it, but... I don't remember ever being feeling that I could sing. I think I don't actually believed I could sing. Maybe first realised I might be able to sing at 13 or 14. Before that, I just sung for school things and I had no idea what I was doing. Do you think it was because of mum and dad and they just wanted to put you there because of your family? Maybe. maybe. Oh, my dad trying to live vicariously probably. <laughs> Sorry, dad, it's Lorna, the truth. <laughs> you're up for this. You can do it. Little Minotaur. <laughs> So be a rock singer. When was your next public solo performance oh, of note after that? Awful. Yeah, now back to back during childhood at that, it was every single school performance. I can remember the course being out and um, being in a school talent quest yep. and uh, singing that and just being like, I just thought it was really normal. I never questioned or overthought the whole singing as a child thing. I just thought that everyone got up on stage yep. and sung and I knew nothing different. I think that's probably why I'd don't, haven't really put much thought into it. It was just something that, that I did and that must be normal. Were there ever any instruments alongside that? Yeah, I tried to pick up instruments. At one point I played the clarinet um, and then I can't play it anymore. Mm. And at one point I picked up a violin and tried to play guitar. I don't feel that I've ever stuck with an instrument. It's not something that ever came naturally, whereas the voice did. So the voice was just the thing I've always gravitated to, whereas instruments I... Um, Sadly, I've never committed to. Mm. <laughs> I wish I should have, but. Uh, and what about the um, what about the lyrics side of things? Mm. Uh, do you you still have that fear of forgetting, or are you on it? I know everything. Oh, I'm, I'm well practiced, well rehearsed. My hubby actually once said to me, you know, because he he played rugby at a quite a high level, and he always said to me that as long as you feel that you've prepared enough that when you go in, you just have to let it go and enjoy the performance because you've done all the prep work and that's all you can do. So um, now I absolutely hammer the lyrics into my head yep. and I know that I know it because I wrote them. So yes. I know that I do know yep. them. Yep. But what I try to do is as I, if I forget the lyrics or I'm thinking about the lyrics, it's because I'm not actually focusing on enjoying the performance being present. So I just take a deep breath and I just sort of go, fuck it. Whatever's going to happen will happen if this turns into a, crap sandwich on stage then that happens and I just go for it and that's when I get the best vocal moments and the be- and that I just love it usually after the first song and I just find my place in the performance and and I'm good to go yeah when did you arrive in these parts uh when I was 20, 20. in Christchurch yeah Easter milk cows okay <laughs> so I just kind of followed someone and yeah I moved to Canterbury and when I kind of got over that at about 21 I moved to Christchurch City and I think that's when I so this was one of these gypsy day kind of things yeah 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 just part of the flow of yep. the things I do and yeah. um <laughs> yeah, yeah gypsy is the exact right word and I think that yeah when I when I came to Christchurch and I just found music music was everywhere here okay um and I think that's when I started to connect with it more again adolescence at least um any Groups. This is prior to prior to coming down here. Were you part of any bands at that point? No, I think. How do I put this? Everyone sort of describes me as a highly confident person. I would say I'm the complete opposite. Uh, I would say I'm 
actually quite introverted deep down. And I think at some point during high school, I just decided I wanted to be invisible. And I never wanted to be seen or heard. Um, and I just became the person who, if they wanted something sung, I would love to do it from behind a curtain kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, I never wanted to front or perform, I think, some sometime pretty much from the age of 14. Why did you want to hide? Don't know. Don't know. I just, just wasn't confident, just didn't feel oh god this is deep just didn't think I was enough um I wasn't someone who grabbed a big guitar and got on stage and sang and danced and I wasn't the tall stunning blonde or whatever of the time and I yeah I just didn't I just didn't sort of see myself as that as that interesting person or I had enough to offer so Mm. I kind of but I knew I could sing but that's it uh so I kind of stepped I stepped away back um and kind of when people would go hey you should like sing in a band and why don't you do that I just felt it was disingenuous what they were saying and that was it. And I kind of never did it. I'm going to jump over to vocal influences. Yeah. At least. Let's talk growing up, whatever age you want to say that is. Who were you listening to? Was there anyone that you were styling yourself on? I actually listened to a lot of jazz growing up. I listened to whatever I kind of found at home in my sort of younger years was uh, a mix between on my mum's side was... um, Van Morrison, yep. Carol King. Yep. Um, yeah, there was lots of that kind of songwriter on my yep. mum's side. Yep. And on my dad's, it was all rock, Leonard Skinner, Gary Moore, yep. um, even like, you know, modern Three Doors Down, anything. Yep. And so I grew up with a lot of singer-songwriter and a lot of rock in the home. Yep. And then when I found my own music, I found like Nora Jones and jazz okay. mixed with 90s, 2000s, trans dance. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, and yeah, I got yeah. really heavily into drum and bass at one point. Yeah, I can um, feel that. Yeah, and I love the high energy of that. Yeah. Uh, that was, and I think that's actually, that's what drew me back to music as I really wanted to do vocals on drum and bass tracks because, you know, that's not fronting a band. That's a vocal thing. And that was something I absolutely adored. I just quickly want to go into vocal style and apart from Tiki doing um, his collaboration with uh, Concord Dawn. Yep. Apart yep. from that... Which is bum bum bum. It's quite staccato, da da mm. da da kind of thing. A lot of the dance tracks, at least, are that ethereal, floaty mm, vocal, which yeah. feels somewhat removed from the punch of rock. Yeah, and I think that's it. The two sort of influences of, it, especially, kind of the jazz yeah. style. I, I I find that my voice is quite adaptable uh, to to different things. I are you an alto? Yeah, I, I seem to have a. Well, I don't reckon I have a strong soprano range, but I yeah. can get high yeah, when yep. I need to. But Good yeah, chest. I have a really low voice yeah. when I need to. I can definitely <laughs> sing. Oh, There's not a female vocalist who's who's on the on the lower notes. I kind of struggle. Yeah. So maybe yeah, yeah. yeah I'd always been put as alto. Um, but I think you know, in terms of like vocal performers who. Who people who I love, who I just look at and go, wow! It, it's like Janis Joplin, yep, and Stevie Nicks. Yep. they're probably really high in these performances. Robert yep. Plant, but yep. when I see performers and singers who are, I, I describe as like loose, it's like they're um, they're so in the performance that they're not even there, like they're not consciously present. That to me is like. Nirvana. Yes, yes, <clears throat> love it, love the it. ultimate. Yeah, that is it. Like, okay. that, is, that is where it is, and I would love to get there or stay there at some points. I'm going to jump right to transcendental vocal 
genius uh, and talk. Well, let's hear some music. Um, you've chosen a, a Chris Cornell song. Yeah. Was it yeah. written by him? Uh, I believe it is. And what's the um, name of the track? It's called Cleaning My Gun. Cleaning My Gun. Yeah. Solo effort I, or early? Yeah, well, he did it earlier, but I actually, oh, goodness, we, we saw him in Wellington in 2011 doing his um, International Acoustic Songbook Tour. Yeah. And that's one of those moments, you know those moments, that I just stopped and it was like I could barely breathe because I didn't even want my breath to take away from like the acoustics of the room. Like it was just every hair on my arm stood still and I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Like I knew who he was and I knew his music and I've heard him in Audio Slave, but just to hear this... Tones of a vocal. So I've never heard that, that you before. were unfamiliar with his Soundgarden stuff? Oh, uh, yeah, I never really knew Soundgarden. No, I kind of missed that face. I came back to grunge later. I never got it at the time. I would have lo- That would have changed things drastically had I been a part of that. But I kind of was so busy listening to dance trance okay. stuff when I was yep. younger. I missed gotcha. the whole grunge phase. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when I kind of found him later on, I was like, oh, my God, this guy's a genius. But, yeah, I think in that point in that moment that I sort of heard him saying, cleaning my gun, I was like, if I could just, if I could create a vocal moment like this on stage myself, like, that's it. I've reached the point. I've reached the pinnacle of life. <laughs> it was just, it's the yeah. best. Yeah. Here's a song I wrote a while ago. I never, it's never been on anything. It's called Cleaning My Gun. Destination. And as you lay asleep. 
bring with you Your eyes softly shut I will be cleaning my Cleaning my gun Cleaning my gun But heaven or hell takes this life I'll be done As you lay sleeping No, it ain't me that you're dreaming of Mama always told me love would save me from myself Daddy always said love Love will take me straight to hell But sometimes they were righteous And sometimes they were wrong So wrong Cause I'm cleaning my gun I'm cleaning my Done. But heaven or hell takes this life, I'll be done. I'll be done. Thank you. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Lorna Cole on Plains FM 96.9. It's good. How's the water? Delicious. I'm going to table with it. Before I get into gigs, um, vocal health. What's your warm-up? What's your risky remedy? Sure, that's actually, I reckon that's my weakest point is protecting my voice because I, um, I was never really vocally trained when I was younger because I just came out the womb singing that I never understood. Or wailing at least. <laughs> I never actually understood how important it was to protect your voice and it was only when I started getting like seriously amped up and singing hefty rock notes that I started to find myself tensing and I was like, what's this? What is this feeling? Um, And I think after doing that, sort of around nine months into doing that, I was like, oh, I need to do something better. Uh, So I sought out uh, people better than myself who knew more than myself and kind of got a bit of technique improved. But yeah, I drink, I've got a magic trick and it's um, it's a letter. A liter of coconut water. Yep, one hundred percent. Just a big tub. Yep. Uh, you can't really find it at the moment because yeah. of the old Rona. But uh, a liter of coconut water, 
that before a gig is amazing in a whole bunch of ridiculous warm-ups and uh, vocal zones and yeah. oh peppermint tea yeah, it's not supposed another. to be good but uh, yeah I found that great but a herbal tea very yeah. rock and roll the, generally <laughs> hydration that's yeah a, yeah yeah definitely this vocal tip was brought to you by <laughs> but, but in all honesty do you remember the first big gig you got along to oh yeah it was as a, it was a child as a child I went to a crowded house Huh. Uh, I think somewhere in Auckland yeah. we first got here um, and I just remember watching these five guys on stage and my mum just dragging me to the front and high-fiving them all. And um, So we're mid-90s. We're kind of like that Dunwood face, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, they had Dunwood okay. face and like the whole Together Alone and all yeah, that. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, that, I think it was the last time I recall them doing like big back-to-back tours in the country yeah. maybe. We, yeah, we grew up listening to them in the UK because they must have been quite big in the UK, so... Yeah. Slightly different to Oasis, at least. Yeah. Um, what do you remember from that show? Oh, I can just remember the energy. I, I can remember how personable. I, I recall, even though that wouldn't have been the case, but from my childhood memory, I just recall these um, smiling faces being within touching distance and everybody being really happy. And it was just um, it was just a real feeling of, of community and happiness and happy childhood. And everyone was just great. It was just a really great atmosphere. And so I connected live music to that emotion and that is the exact emotion I feel every single time and I still run to the very front and try to touch people it's terrible grabbed Bruce Springsteen's leg I think at one point like I can't control myself love it (laughs) it's nuts um what have you seen um more recently that's taken your breath away I see them all the time I I actually see a lot kind of more on the internet I suppose actually where I kind of catch people and I go who is this or what is this? Um, yeah, I couldn't tell you in chronological order who I've seen recently. I just see them, just people all the time. Is there anyone I'm that just... you want to see live that you're hanging out? Yeah, Ben Howard. Tell me a bit more about Ben. Oh, see, he was one of those moments. Uh, I saw this blonde man on the internet, this blonde boy, playing, sitting on a water fountain, and he was just playing the most incredible guitar I've ever heard in my life. It was stunning. And he sang, and I was like, who is this dude? Um, and so, um, yeah, I'd love to see him and I'd love to see uh, Lisa Hannigan who, so these are both from the UK and uh, she's another UK folk singer-songwriter. Mm. Um, she's beautiful. So, yeah, I think, um, oh, and actually, lately, um, Reb Fountain, mm. is that her name, Reb Fountain? Mm-hmm. Um, she's got a song and I don't actually know the name of it, but I've been listening to it quite a lot. Um you don't know who I am. You dig her over. Oh, she's just really bluesy and smoky yep. and sultry. Yep. All those things. And I just, I really, she's another, just another cool female yep. power. She, again, she's someone who kind of soaks up and she drags you along on a journey with music. And I love it. What was the first group you joined? Yeah, covers and things yep. like that. I think Mark and I, Mark, our guitarist now, yeah, kind of I started doing, I did some sort of, when I came into the Christchurch scene, I did some BVs for the Easy Hearts. Okay. When they did that. Yep. Um, so that was kind of the first kind of official thing that I was a part of. How did that come about? It was really, it was actually really funny. So I was, um, I was looking, doing some jazz work and I needed, uh, well, just some sort of jazz study and I needed a microphone. So I went into the music shop on Columbo Street to buy a microphone yep. and uh, I met Mark Royal. And I was like, oh, and he said, well, here's all the mics, mm-hmm. try them out, mm-hmm. see what you like. So um, so I started tutoing and he was like, why don't you try and do this? Why don't you try and do that? And um, he was just listening the whole time. 
And he's like, so uh, who are you? Where did you come from? Uh, what is your name? Are you interested in work? You do a very good, Mark. And, uh, yeah, no, very to the point, factual. He gets things done. He's the opposite of me in a lot of ways, and it's really functional. Oh, it's working, uh, right? Yeah, it was while we worked together so well. He's everything I'm not. Um, and, and it was really cool when he, he was like, hey, would you be interested in doing some like harmonies yep. and uh, come down to a studio and see what you can do? And I just went into, I think... Um, it was Sawtooth Studios at the time. Mm. And uh, yeah, just kind of went in. It was straight into a booth doing harmonies yep. for a track I didn't know that well and a band yep. I didn't really know. And it was all in. And it was awesome. It was so cool and so much fun. And yep. I was like, I love it. Yeah. I just love it. So yeah, that was that was it. And Mark and I kind of worked together in different capacities since before forming Vaults. How did how did Vaults come about? Was it was it time? Let's put a name to this thing. Yeah, we're kind of tattooing for a wee while and we're kind of making different bits of music and trying with kind of different drummers and things like that. Mm. And I think the thing when it really, we really actually took it seriously was I think uh, in the first like lockdown when that happened and we were kind of writing and had a bit of an idea about doing things and and I actually had a really terrible internet connection, like it was the worst and I couldn't even, it just wouldn't work. And I, we're trying to like voice make music over the internet. It just wasn't working. Yep. And I was watching all this new content coming out yep. um, with people in lockdown creating things. And I was like, I want to say like irritated. Like I just desperately wanted to do this that I just got a fire up my ass. And I was like, I am damn well doing this, man. Everyone else is doing it. I'm going to do it. Like as soon as, as soon as we can get out of this house, yep. I am launching into it. And, uh, and Mark was on the same boat and we yeah. just, we had a lot of really cool material that we weren't really kind of prioritizing and time and, you know, we've all got busy lives. And next minute we just sort of said, right, let's do it. Let's, let's put a timeline. Let's go for it. And we did. And, um, and we were, we we're already at the time starting to work with, um, Victoria Knopp mm-hmm. from, um, from the response and a pair yep. And so we started working with her and then her hubby Andy was like, oh, well we might be able to help do some production and next minute he was involved and um it just sort of became like a four pace and then over the summer we all of a sudden we just started getting offered some pretty hefty gigs yep and uh and so then we we brought in um tim and h yep from uh, illustrate that's it and we brought them in and they worked over the summer with us yeah and um and then we actually have we've we've sort of sucked in a drummer, Dan. Uh, so he's and what's Dan done before? Dan was in a band in Australia. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Bonja was the name. They did quite well over there. Yeah. Um, and he works as a music lawyer, and um, you know he's got his he's got other things on. But we yeah. sort of said like in a in a kind of connected. Uh, but somewhat relaxed capacity. Could you be our guy? And he he just came into the studio, and we were actually um, in beatbox. And he sort of came in and just he just sounded great. He just sounded great, and he filled the spaces in the perfect way. And we were yeah. like, "Yep." And he was just a really he's just a cool dude. Yeah. So we were like, "Right, cool." So um, <laughs> so we're kind of holding him, uh, and, and and so now we've just. There's these five people that offer really different, we've all got very different qualities and we all have very different individual preferences of music. Mm. And I think this um, collaboration, especially between Vic and Andy and myself and Mark, is is creating a sound that none of us would have individually gone for, but yep. together we all really love it. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's amazing. So it's evolving. Um, the new things we're writing are probably... 
at the moment, the bass is slightly slightly grungier, slightly rockier. Uh, but I think that once we mix in with the rest of the band, um, yeah, it'll it'll light them right back up and and sort of fit into what we're doing. So yeah, it's... as much as I'm tempted to play something by you guys. I do want to hear this guy, Ben Howard, first. So we're going to go and play some music. What track from Ben do you want to hear? It's called Promise. It's just one of those songs that when I hear it, it's pretty quiet and slow, but when I listen to it, it just takes me somewhere. Flowers away through the hours of cold. Winter shall howl at the walls, tearing down doors of time. Shelter as we go. Who am I to be burned? Who 
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Lorna Cole on Plains FM 96.9. Um, we just heard about the formation of Vaults and all the cool stuff you're doing together. Um, you've got a track which was released when? Glass Great Walls? question. A couple of months ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I so feel like I want to say six weeks ago maybe. Yeah. Well, thereabouts. Um, so we're going to play Glass Walls at the end of this section. Um, I wanted to ask, what does Mark bring to your songwriting? process or to the creation process mark makes tracks that just get me like he 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 just he'll we sort of sit there and he might sort of just start strumming something and it'll it'll just come to him just before practice or something and i was like hey what are you playing like that's cool like can we record that and so we record it and sometimes uh, i hear a vocal or a melody straight away and then other times like it takes a while but he just comes up with something and, and often like something's going on at the time or in my mind and I'm mulling it over. It could be like a, a personal situation or a situation of a friend, whatever. And that'll just be in the sphere somewhere. And then I think I hear a track and it's like it draws that story down and then I create lyric and and then I kind of go back to Mark and he goes, oh, that's cool or um, love that or maybe just drop that bit and, and he tweaks and, and maybe helps change direction. A lot of the time I might get stuck mm-hmm. uh, and he'll sort of, yeah, and then we kind of revisit it and then I'll go back and that's how it works before we, we take it to anyone else. Pre-recording, uh, is there generally any public performance? Yeah, there has been. There has been, definitely. Um, so in the instance of um, your new single, uh, Indestructible, which came out a couple of weeks ago, so had you played the song before you recorded it? Um, yeah, we have played it in live performances, yeah, yep, definitely. Yep. So how much does it change? Do you take feedback from the audience and go... Oh, they didn't like that bit, let's shorten that, let's make that four as opposed to eight kind of thing? Funny you say that. Yeah, I think that... We find that the live performances, people prefer it punchier. Like, people like things rockier live than we kind of anticipated. And we noticed that, like, on the performances, like, on the sort of a demo recording, we might have done it one way and then we've done it live and we've done it with slightly punchier delivery or with a louder harmony, um, maybe an extra, just an extra bit here and there. And then we've kind of gone, okay, well, in the main recording, maybe actually we want to kind of raise the level of the harmony to sort of balance out the vocals or whatnot. Um, So in that respect, it changes. We don't change lyrics or anything like that. We're pretty set. Like you would recognize the song from a gig to the recording, definitely. Do you feel like you've got some space to go by having a recording, which is great, but, you know, giving yourself a bit of room to to go when you play it live, take it to the next level? Yeah, or does we, that just happen yeah, naturally? It does happen. You don't think about it. I think when I'm when I'm sort of singing uh, live on stage, I, I try to connect with the emotion of the song. Like, yep. for instance, like Glass Walls is yep. about being insecure and whatnot. And so when I sing it, I try to connect with that feeling, and that feeling often live might uh, draw something down and it might be a bigger vocal than I expected, or I might just flick up a higher, couple of higher notes at yes. the end or something. Okay. Uh, so you are will... ad, you are ad libbing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and the band just crows along with it. Um, yeah, because you're pretty much keeping within the format. Yeah, yeah, I am. But yeah. things might be changing. Like just little bits here and there. Um, I definitely sing a lot heavier and harder live than yeah. I was. Yep. Um, but that's yep. just because you're feeding off the energy of the crowd. Absolutely. And they're pulling like a sense of confidence and. I don't know, getting excitement out of you that you're just like, oh, go on then. And uh, so, yeah. Where was Glass Walls recorded? We've actually done everything at Mark's house. Um, okay. 
we've been amazing. We've sort of set up a traveling studio. Um, this is all um, Andy and Vic musical geniuses that they are, and we've we've just kind of recorded it there, and it's just been incredible. Like we're looking views over Christchurch City. Yep. As we're singing in the most comfortable space, and it's been brilliant. Are there any limitations? Um, yeah, I'm sure there probably are. I'm absolutely terrified about the neighbours, but they've been super supportive to the band, and they all know us, the whole band personally now. So, um, yeah, we know that if we're kind of evading the house and cruising the voice down the valley, no one minds too much. <laughs> mm. um, plans for an album? So we've actually got an EP getting released. Okay. Um, the next month, um, and then we're going to do the second EP. So we've sort of split the songs in yep. two. Uh, with the second EP coming out the beginning of next year, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we've got quite a bit of. So does that mean EP, EP, and then new material down the track for an yeah, album? Yeah, well, well, albums are just they're not really happening it. anymore. People kind of aren't so much doing albums because they think the cost of the production <coughs> of the album. You know, you've got to get 10, 12 songs, yep. and that's a huge amount of cost, especially to get them mastered and everything. And yep. I think that um, we don't necessarily need to do that now. Like, especially with you know the online platforms, we tend to have our first, you know, favorite three songs, or we we yep. stream the songs that we know the most. Most people How do. How do you feel about the loss of the album? He says in a very leading question. <sighs> yeah, all the memories this, of yeah, listening well, to. It's the ability to hear the obscure songs that you wouldn't otherwise know. Like often, my favourite songs by an artist are not the release tracks. And Cleaning my gun. Yeah. Promise by Ben Howard. They're not the songs that are the most well-known or the most popular. They're just the ones that I heard that I love. So I think that as long as I have the chance, even if it's with Spotify, I like to just let it go. And I like it to find me songs by the same artist. And I go, oh, what's this one? This one's cool. Um, you know, I just heard an Alice in Chains song I didn't previously know the other night, which I really like. Mm. And I think that's the that's the cool part. And with with not have, having an album, those moments can get lost. Yeah. I think I read I heard something the other day. Um, the guy from Abba saying I think it was forty six. I could be so wrong, but I think he said something like, oh, maybe forty six thousand songs a week get uploaded. Maybe that's not the right figure, but it was a phenomenal amount yep. of new songs. And he said the ability to get your songs heard and out there now. It's just, it's near, it's near impossible. It's very difficult to get those songs out. So I think that not only have you got less chance of getting them heard, but you've got less time and less attention uh, given to you by an audience because they've just got so many songs with so many artists getting thrown at them. Mm -hmm. They miss, they miss Mm. so much. Yeah. So sad maybe. (laughs) I think we should hear the track. Um, What's your favourite part of Glass Walls? I love the whole thing. It's just, I just love the whole story. The whole story with it is cool. Yeah.
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Lorna Cole uh, on Plains FM 96.9. Um, let's go about 20 years. You got any advice for for that girl? That's actually super relative to glass walls because uh, that's sort of the same thing. Um, yeah, my advice to myself would be just go do it. Like I, I think that I spent oh, – I did. I, sp- I spent so much time in my life waiting to feel good enough or to be as good as the people that I sort of, you know, love that I was paralysed into actually performing. And I think that um, that moment, if you're waiting for that moment to feel good enough to do something, it's never coming. <laughs> you okay. are never going to feel good enough. So my advice to myself would be get out there and go do it. What about um, what about gigs coming up? Anything anything we can hear about at this point yeah. in time? So um, we've got in October, we're actually doing our first International Support Act, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really, a really great moment. So we're actually opening for the Australian band UMI. Oh wow! Um, yeah, they've so, been around a while. Yeah, so they're yeah. coming over, and um, you yeah, said so that's going to happen. Fingers crossed. Is that a? Yeah, yeah, I'm hoping so. Yeah. Um, I think everything musically these days is quite tentative, especially yes. things through Australia, yeah. Trans Tasman. But there's still a quarantine, isn't there? Yeah, so, absolutely, I mean, yep, absolutely. And you yep. know, why would you not want to come to this beautiful country? We're all music lovers. Exactly. Get over here. So, yep. um, yeah, we've got that, and I think we've well, we've got a few things coming up next next year and into summer, mm-hmm. and we've got a, a few things with festivals which are yet to be sort of announced and yep. getting confirmed. So yep. hopefully we can do a repeat of, of the summer just been because that was incredible. It's exciting. Yeah. Still buzzing. 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I never won't be. It's just the best. Time for the last track. Uh, now, this is Indestructible. Yeah, I, I, it's a funny one. It it just kind of like this song happened. It was, um, I won't talk about where the kind of lyrics came from, but. Oh, please do. Oh, no, definitely not. No, uh, <laughs> no, no, it was uh, It was just, it was actually, in all honesty, it was just a moment um, where, yeah, I kind of, I was just thinking about relationships and, and extremely really great moments that you have and the really hard moments and, and the emotional journey that goes on in between that. And thinking that if someone can take you from the edge of extreme happiness to uh, extreme anger and you still love them uh, reservedly and want to stay with them, yep. then your relationship is is unbreakable. And I think that's what formed the feeling of indestructible. Mm-hmm. And then and that came off the back of these really punchy, this really punchy riff. And yep. I, I just heard, I don't know, I heard like sort of early 2000s rock yep. going in there and, and I heard this effect that I would love to have had on the vocal. So I sort of brought that up with Andy and yeah. and we could hear an idea in a space for a harmony and when Vic brought in this really epic, beautiful high harmony, yeah, that I just filled it up and it just gave it so much mm, and so much power that I just, yeah, it just created this whole track that... Yeah, I really love it. So just a nice punchy track, and I feel like it expresses the emotion lyrically that's there as well. I think on on a level most people in a relationship can connect to to a bit of the story um, behind it. Yeah, don't take the lyrics too literally. (laughs) It's more the emotion, but yeah. Lorna, it's been absolutely amazing to have you on the show. Cool, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Ian. This is Vaults with Indestructible.
Time for my track of the week, and to celebrate 30 years of Pearl Jam's 10, I'm not going to play something off the album. I'm going to play a track that was recorded during the 10 sessions. This is the often overlooked, but quite brilliant, Alone. Thanks for joining me today on the show and thank you to Lorna Cole. If you want to find out more about Vaults and their new EP Wolves, head to gardenofsound.nz and click on Lorna's image on the front page. I'm Ian Turner, I'm going to be taking a break for a couple of weeks but you can enjoy some repeats of some of my favourite shows and we'll be back with a special edition of Garden of Sound on September 24th. In the meantime, keep well, keep listening and keep playing. Inohorah.